Good morning, everybody. Welcome. It's lovely to see you all here this morning. We've got a very special um, service for you, and um, it's very, I'm very excited anyway. Um, I want to introduce the the man that uh, most of you probably don't need any introduction to because I think, as Simon and I were talking earlier, he's been here a number of years now. Was it six or so? About six years he's been coming to our service. Just one day a year, though. His, his attendance has not been what it should be. Um, but that's okay. Um, I want to introduce to you uh, Simon Ward from Compassion. And um, he's going to share a um, message with us, first of all. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about compassion later. But um, we as a church have been supporting projects with compassion in Bangladesh and Indonesia um, for many years. And it's been a privilege to send um, a team over to Indonesia at least once we were to go more. But something happened about 2020 that stopped most people from travelling. Um, so some of you have sponsored children in those areas and... Um, so I want to introduce to you this morning um, Simon Ward as he comes and as he shares and um, what God has laid on his heart in way of message. I taught him a new word this week. I wonder what that was. Well, can you even say it? <laughs> Munificent. Um, I, I said, Simon, come on up, Simon. Um, I, I, when I rang him or he rang me, we were talking earlier and um, on the phone and he asked me a question. He said, are you doing any particular series or anything at this moment? And I told him, yeah, we're doing one called Munificent. He said, a what? <laughs> and, which is what most of you have said at some point at all. Did anyone actually know, I can't see you online, but anyone in service actually know what the word Munificent even means before we started the series? Nobody. A new word for everyone. That's wonderful. So I want to pray for Simon. He now knows what munificent means. You can Google it. It'll tell you. Um, or you can wait and find out. Um, but it's just uh, a blessing to have you here and uh, looking forward to how God's going to lead you. Let me pray. Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity this morning to, to serve and to worship. And we come, Father, with hearts that are ready to listen and ears that are ready to listen, eyes that are ready to see and feet that are ready to go. And so, Father, help us not to be confined to or conformed to the patterns of this world, but to, to allow our minds to be renewed and transformed. And I pray for Simon this morning as he comes and he shares your word, that your anointing would fall upon him in a very real and tangible way that each and every one of us, Father, whether we're in person in this building or we're watching from online somewhere, I pray that your, your anointing would fall upon us and we would experience your presence in that very real and tangible way as well. So bless him, use him, and anoint him now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Thank you Pastor Ron. Thank you for your welcome. It, um, it always feels like coming home here. Cause I've been a number of times. And then having saxophone in worship, I had a great friend who used to play keyboard a, long years, a lot of years ago, and um, he played saxophone. So it's a double welcome coming home here this morning. Um, I must confess, when I heard this new word that I'm not going to try and say because I, 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 I get it all mixed up. So, um, but you've heard what it is, and I did have to look it up. I'm thinking, is that really a word? Not that I doubted your pastor, but I thought I just need to check that out myself. Um, God is generous, isn't he? And so should his people be, because like father, like son, um, we, we should have the father's 
likeness. Uh, if you don't know me, if you you're, uh, weren't here when I was here last time or you've joined in the last 12 months or so, just a quick snapshot about me. Um, my name's Simon. I have five children, four grandchildren and one wife. And I um, used to be a car mechanic many years ago and I'm still a fixer. I'm still a bit of a petrol head, if I'm honest. Um, and then uh, went into Christian ministry in my mid-20s. Um, this was in the UK. Uh, worked for Scripture Union for about 10 years and then pastored two churches prior to this role with Compassion, which I've been doing for nearly seven years. And I thought I'd be a pastor for the rest of my days. Um, I didn't quite see this one coming with Compassion, but the local church I pastored, they, they just got on board with Compassion so much and I saw so much transformation happen, not only for the children that we sponsored, but in the lives of people as they went, particularly when they went and visited the children they sponsored. They came back messed up in a good way. Um, and I don't know about you, but I think, I think we all need messing up. We live in a, a very wealthy nation and the majority of the world doesn't live like this. We are a minority. Um, so I think we need, we need that messing up. We need that reminding. So um, I'm going to do that unashamedly this morning um, just to remind us of where we live, what we have. We've been singing how blessed we are, how good God is. It's, it's great to sing that when you're doing well and we've got a, you know, a roof and it's comfortable and we're in a comfortable chair. But how are we going singing that when, when we've just lost our home, we've got no income? Maybe like the 345 million people today that won't put one meal on the table. 345 million people won't eat today. It's huge what's happening around the world. But there are people still singing, God is so good, in that situation. And I want to learn from them. I want to learn from them. Because there's something about when you, when you can sing the praises of God, when you're really in the darkest valley, when you're going through the, the darkest time and the toughest time. And some of you may be in that at the moment. It, you know, everything on the outside might look great, but inside it may be quite a different story. So I'm, we're going to look at one of the Beatitudes. And I've put the, the, the title, if you can put that um, slide up, Happy are the Hungry. Happy are the hungry is what I want to speak on. But let me read the context of that passage from Luke 6. I'm going to start from verse 17 of, of chapter 6 of Luke. He went down with them and he stood on a level place. And I want you to try and picture this, if you would. He's standing there with his 12 disciples. He's just designated them apostles he stands in a level place and it says a large crowd of his disciples were there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Can you picture that? I think it would have been gloriously chaotic is what I try and kind of imagine. You've got, you know, the disciples have come down from the mountain. He's designated them apostles. And then this great crowd of people from all over the area have come. And evil spirits are being cast out. People are being cured. There's just glorious mayhem happening. And then it says, looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, 
for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, and when they insult you, and they reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. You with me? It's not easy words, are they? They're not easy words. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. For you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one tree, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. But if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So there's a message. Let's just go out and do that. Easy, hey? <laughs> this is packed, isn't it? That's why I'm just saying, let's just unpack one, one of these sentences. Happy are the hungry. It's an oxymoron, really, isn't it? You think, really? I don't know about you, but I'm not generally at my happiest when I'm hungry. I'm, I'm probably more content when I've... Um, Maybe when I've come home and I can smell the cooking and I think, oh, because I know that soon the meal's going to be there. I'm pretty happy then. I'm pretty happy when I've had a good meal, but I'm not usually at my happiest when I'm hungry. But here's this passage where Jesus says, blessed or happy are those who are hungry. I love what N.T. Wright says. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read it a couple of times, but it takes a little while to get your head around it, but it's brilliant what he says. Are you ready? The Beatitudes are a summons to live in the present, live in the now, in a way that makes sense in God's promised future. Have you got that? How do we live now in the light of what's coming, but it's not just about heaven? It's more than that. It's not just about the was it pie in the sky when you die by and by. It's not saying, right, if you just hang on in here, just get through this life, there's this glorious one to come, and that's when we're all going to be satisfied. That's when we're all going to be filled. It's not saying that. It's saying, yeah, here's part of it. Summons to live in the present in a way that will make sense in God's future because that future has already arrived in Jesus. It's powerful, isn't it? What we have in Christ is... He, he, if you like, has come from the future. He's come from heaven to earth. We often sing about that. 
And so this should make sense now, even though there's going to be some of it fulfilled in the future still to come, but it's all fulfilled in Christ and he lives in us. And if you're thinking, Simon, what are you talking about? That's what I want to unpack because it's crucial that we grasp this because it's about how we live. You know, we can, we can go out of this place with the best theology, but if we don't live it, it counts for zero, nothing. I heard a, a pastor say this once. He said, um, his name was Shane, and he said, um, he said, one day I hope to stand before Jesus at the pearly gates. And he said, I'm pretty sure, I, you know, I'd love to, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. But um, he said, it's one thing I'm pretty certain he's not going to say. I'm pretty certain he's not going to say, Shane, I just wanted to congratulate you on your theology. You know, so many people really got it wrong, but you just nailed it. You know, you really got it. It's not going to happen. You know, we understand this tiny little bit, really, of who God is, the enormity of him. Now, I'm not saying theology is not important. It really, really is. I've been to Bible college twice. I've done a master's degree in theology. I think it's really, really important. Doctrine is important. But if we haven't grasped love God and love your neighbour, and we're not living that, the rest of it, actually, Paul says, counts for nothing. Like a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal, which hurts your ears. So have we really got the heart of the gospel? And there's so much of it here in this passage. The other thing about the Beatitudes is, we often think, oh, that one's talking about the hungry, that one's talking about the poor, that one's talking about those who are crying. No, it's all talking about the same person. It's another way of saying the same thing. Is, is There's so much in this world that, that where there's emptiness, where there's something going wrong and there's brokenness, it's all around us. It's all talking about the same person. He's just saying it in different ways to say all of this is fulfilled in Jesus. All of it is fulfilled in him. It's all about the same person. Uh, theologian once said this of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son had, had you know, gone into the far country, he'd, he'd taken his, his inheritance early, he'd flaunted the lot, spent it all, and he's, he's there looking at pig food, and he's hungry. And this theologian said this, when the prodigal son was hungry, he longed to eat the pig's food. But when he was starving, he went home to his father's house. I like that. I like that. Because there's times where we, we hunger and we try and find fulfillment for that hunger in all kinds of ways and all kinds of things that, that actually really just don't satisfy. But when we're really starving, when we're really, really hungry, then seek him. And that's when you find him, when you seek him with all your heart. And that's when you'll be satisfied. That's when he went home and they killed the fattened calf and he had the ring and the sandals and the cloak and everything came together because he was home where he should be with his father. If you're a, um, a parent here, when your children come home from school, what do they do first? <laughs> I knew I'd get that answer. It's always the same. Um, I've, got, um, I've got five children. I have three sons. Pretty much is the case when any of my boys come to my house, even now, they're, they're all left home, married. They're, they're all, there is one place they go. They come in the door. <laughs> Fridge, see? <laughs> I remember one of my boys, I think it was my eldest son, one time he was just standing there, just come in, he was standing there with the fridge door open looking there. And I said, Joe, what are you looking for? And he said these words to me. He said, 
I don't know, really. I was just looking to see what's here. It's what you do when you come in. (laughs) Happy are the hungry, for they will be filled. Because that's the secret in that it's not meant to just be happy are the hungry, because that's not true. But it's happy are the hungry, for they will be satisfied. They will be filled. That's why my son was standing at the fridge. He'd come in hungry from work and he dropped in and, and he knew that if he opened the fridge, that was the best place to go to be satisfied where he would be happy. And we're quite happy for our kids to raid the fridge. That's good. We have a little bit more detail when we go into Matthew's version of the Beatitudes where he says this. Happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So we get a bit more, okay. Righteousness, what's that word mean? I don't know about you, but generally in church circles, when you hear the word righteous, you kind of think somebody's pious, you know, somebody's got all together and, and they're do you know what I mean? it has that kind of connotation, that makes sense. I kind of grew up with that until I start digging into what um, righteous really means. Well, we can do a whole series on righteousness and uh, you're, not, you're in a series on the other word that I'm not going to pronounce again. Um, but in, in essence, if we took the broadest sense of what righteousness really means. It's really about right relationships. That's the root of the word. It's about it's like a right relationship with creation. I think that's a really good thing. We're meant to be. You know, God put Adam and Eve in the garden to tend the garden, to be in a good relationship with creation. And they stuffed up, you know, what happened. And we've been stuffing up ever since. And, and there's a lot of moves to look after our planet. I think that's a really good thing. We should be in a right relationship with God's creation. We should be in a right relationship with ourselves. You know, you have some people who are great at giving to other people, but they're actually not very good at being in a good relationship with themselves. They're not really good at looking after themselves. They're not really good at understanding that they're loved by God. Everything's about everyone else, but they should feel really down about themselves. Then you've got other people on the, the other side. We all know people like that, don't we? Who think they're God's gift, you know, they think the answer to everything, they're full of ego, and, and we just don't like being around people like that, you know. It's, and Aussies, particularly, um, you know, those ones, we want to shoot them down straight away, tall poppy, you know. But right relationship with yourself is not thinking about yourself too lowly nor thinking about yourself too highly but having a right uh, a good healthy relationship with yourself so right relationship with creation right relationship with yourself and then thirdly a right relationship with those around you we're just in this passage about loving your enemies blessing those who curse you um yeah it's easy to be in right relationship with people who are lovely and think you're you're great and that's easy but what about a right relationship with that toxic person at work? What about a right relationship with a neighbour that really just, just annoys you, that you can't get away from because they live next door? You know, what about right relationship with people in our street, in our workplaces, in, here in the church family, but also in Indonesia, in Bangladesh, in other places around the world? There are neighbours too. And then fourthly, right relationship with God through Christ. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for right relationship across all of those. And if you'd like, we've probably got to go through them backwards. If you can get the relationship with God right to start with and you find out who you are in him, and then from that place, it's much easier to work out those relationships. It's really hard to do it on your own. 
without God working in you and through you. Important point coming up about righteousness. That's a flag. If you've switched off for a moment, can I have your attention back? Okay. Nearly always, nearly always, when you see the word righteous in the Bible, in the positive sense of that word, it's linked with generosity and justice. Nearly always. If you start looking through, when you see that word, you'll see it comes out again and again and again. And um, particularly generosity and justice to the poor, because God has a bias for those who have no voice, who can't speak for themselves. So it kind of has this link with, I guess, the, the previous beatitude, which was happy are the poor, because those who realise they're poor, people who know they're poor or know they're hungry, they're, they're, they're just in the right place, they're right beneficiaries to receive the generosity of God. Happy are the hungry. Happy are those who are poor, because they know they can't make ends meet on their own, therefore they're needing generosity to come to them. In that place, we're ripe to know that we can't do it on our own, we need God's help. Does that make sense? Someone's with me. All right, so when you see righteousness, it's linked with generosity. So it's linked with right relationship. As I said, with all of those things I mentioned, it's that, but it's nearly always goes with generosity and justice. And the flip side is often true as well. So whenever, for example, you see um, the word wicked, it will be linked with greedy or selfish. And that often comes into categories with the rich. Start thinking about some parables that um, the man who started to hoard his wealth and build bigger barns, and he said, Jesus said, Woe, woe to you, woe to that man. Your life will be demanded on you. And God hasn't got anything against wealth. If you think the description of heaven, streets paved with gold, gates made of single pearls, it's pretty, it's pretty lavish. I don't think it, we've got any of that in our homes. I would pretty much guess that that's not the case. So it's not about. Gen- uh, It's not about wealth or riches, but it is about generosity. And God has a really big problem when people are rich and selfish. Making sense? Think about Zacchaeus. I guess the majority of people in this place will be familiar with the with the, the story of Zacchaeus. We know him. It's a story we're told often. If you if you grew up in church, you would have heard that story numerous times. You've probably had it read to you. You've probably seen it on video. You've probably drawn pictures and coloured them in about it because it's such a great story. Here's this tax collector, a short guy, can't see Jesus, so he climbs a tree to to look out. And and when Jesus walks by, he spots Zacchaeus in the tree and says, "Come down, Zacchaeus. I want to stay at your house today." And people, whoa, how's a tax collector and a, and a, a tax collector who's corrupt because they nearly all were then. And it was, would have taken people in awe of that story. Why, why would Jesus, a rabbi, why would you go to, to Zacchaeus? And he goes to his house. And Zacchaeus' response is to give back incredibly generously to everyone he's stolen from, everyone he's taken from. I'm going to give back four times as much. And Jesus says to, to him, salvation has come to this house. Hang on, he wasn't baptised. Um, he didn't go on his knees and say, Jesus, would you come into my life? It was on a resu- as a result of his generosity that Jesus said, salvation has come 
to this house. Righteousness. Am I making sense? But now you're thinking, but now hang on a minute. So does when we give to people, is that brownie points with God? You know, does that make us acceptable to him? No. <laughs> no. No, the only way to come to God is through Christ and what he's done for us, realising our poverty, spiritual poverty, that the only way to come to know God is to realise that Jesus paid the price on the cross for our sins. And we're going to share communion together in a little while. Important about that, and one of the things I'm going to say about that is that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. In other words, do this so you don't forget me and what I've done for you. It's all about him. I'm making that really clear. It's all about him. But when we know him, when he's really engaged and taken in our lives, there should be a natural flow of generosity that comes out from us because that's what God is like. He didn't hold back from sending his son to die on the cross in our place. That's the ultimate generosity, isn't it? Giving your life for someone. So it's not, it's not out of um, duty that we do those things, it's out of a generosity because it's what God is like. Again, for me, I grew up in a, in a church that, that really loved the Bible. And, and sometimes I kind of, I don't know whether it was just what my perceptions were, which could be true, or what was taught, I don't know. But I came there really, um, I guess, afraid that I've got to follow all these things, I've got to do all these things right, or God won't love me unless I, I've, I've got all my doctrine right and I've got all, got all the bits in the Bible sorted out and got all that. And I just hadn't. I hadn't got it all together. And so, but I was trying really hard, trying really, really hard to be a Christian. And people would look at me and say, oh, Simon, he's a really good kid. You know, he's helpful. You know, I didn't go off the rails. So, so people would look at me and say, oh, Simon, he's very righteous. But I wasn't. You see, you can... We look at people sometimes being righteous by what they're not doing. You know, they're not doing drugs or they're not getting drunk or they're not sleeping around or they're not, do you know what I mean? They're not doing those things. And we think, oh, they must be really good people. But righteousness is, is a lot less about what you're not doing, but it's a whole lot about what you do do. Am I making sense? So, so righteousness is a lot more. You can have someone who's, who's very good, but actually does very little. <laughs> and, and I think, ah. Uh, we're meant to be here to love our neighbour as ourselves. We're meant to be here to be a channel through which God can work. And whether that's words from our mouth, actions from our hands, generosity from our bank balance or whatever else it is, um, it's actually about the reality of what comes from us, which is why when Paul says, you know, if, if, if you have not love, you have nothing. You're just a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. You can't gen- genuinely love the poor and not be generous. Jesus said that, doesn't he? You can't go to, go to someone who's really poor and say, oh, I wish you well, you know, I hope you get a good meal tonight and then you just leave him sitting there in the gutter. Well, no. You know, but it's hard. My, my son and some friends, they were in um, Brisbane City, they, just, they went out there to, to, to pray and see who they could help. They just went to do it as a group of mates this was a, a little while ago. And there was a particular guy that got their attention highly likely sleeping rough just from what he was wearing and the smell around him. And, and they just said to him, um, what's your favourite food? And he said, pizza. So he said, we're going to buy you pizza. They had no idea the difficulties they were going to have to walk into this cafe to buy him a pizza because of the looks that he got. 
They were horrified. How difficult that was. They wanted to buy him a piece. They wanted to be generous, but what was happening around was a whole different, a whole different story. Um, and they just made them think about the difficulties this guy was going through. Um, he enjoyed his pizza and he ate probably quite a quantity of theirs as well. Um, but I know my sons and, and my son and the group of mates were just glad to, to be a blessing to him, but also the impact that that man had on them to make them think about his world and what that's like because they started to feel the same way as they went in with him. It's all about what you do do. Can I... I want to give some examples where, where I've seen generosity that has just stopped me in my tracks. Can I do that with compassion? I have this privilege with the role that I do to meet a lot of different people. I go to different, I'm in a different church every week. You think that I'm, I'm saying I'm a bit lapsed here, only coming once a year. I actually only get to my home church about four times a year because I'm, I'm in other churches most of the time. But my small group, that's my church. That's where I connect and that's where my regularity is. But I have this privilege of meeting people and sometimes I walk out of an encounter with a couple or a family or an individual and I sit in my car and I think, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian when I think about their generosity. Does that make sense? I just look at, at, at you, know, you know, some people have, have done really well in life and they've, they've earned a lot and I see a lot of generosity there. And, and that's great and I, it, it's really good, but it's people who are really ordinary really ordinary, where I see extraordinary generosity that is just phenomenal. So just to give you an example, I was at a church um, not very long ago. This was just a few weeks back. And um, I had a, a quite a good response to, to sponsoring in the morning. And I then had a night church and um, no one came to the table. So I'm standing there, a bit of a loose end, sort of walking around like a fish out of water and Smiling at people and 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 I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself. I'm honest, thinking oh, I thought I shared a good message and and but no one came, no one came, and I was just going to think, well, I'll, I'll just pack up and go home. You know, grateful for the morning response was great. And then this man walked in, and um, I'm assuming he'd been in the service. I hadn't spotted him, but it, I'm assuming he did. But he came in from outside and he just stood at the table and he was looking at the just like the table at the back there of the number. of child profiles were sitting there and he was just kind of going like this with his finger and um, he didn't look at me he was looking at the table I was standing there and I was waiting for the moment to ask him and and he said yeah yeah I can do that so I said so so who would you like to sponsor um he said I said look if you look at the cards on the back it tells you about each one and and uh, he said um no all of them all of them he wiped the table 14 children Sponsored. I didn't know what to say. I was just, I felt um, ashamed of what I was thinking, you know, how I was feeling about myself because no one had come to the table. And, and here was this humble man who I've spoken with on two or three occasions and I'm in awe of what he's doing for the kingdom of God. Ordinary bloke, ordinary bloke. And I see generosity and it points me back to him and to say, God is, that's what God's like. That's what God's like. Not everyone can do that, right? So that's not my expectation, but, but it, it, it just is always a good reminder 
for me. There's a, a company up in the north of Queensland. They um, last year sponsored 50 children as a company. And this year their target is, I haven't yet heard about how they've done in the, the end of the financial year, their target was to sponsor another 50 children. And they said, we, as a company, we didn't want to just um, give to a project where we look at the end of the year and say, like, have we got, have we got enough money to do, fund this project? We said, we want to say, our target is 50 children, and then we've got to keep sponsoring those 50 children ongoingly, but then we want to try and do another 50. So it was a, they said, as a company, we want to have a faith goal. And I, that, I was, had this fascinating conversation with him. It was making me feel small again, looking at what they were doing as a, as a company. And then he said to me, how, um, he said, but I'm just not sure if we can write to 50 children. <laughs> a busy company, doing a lot. So I've arranged two schools, two Christian schools that write to the children on their behalf. And I just love that example of generosity, of, of a company who are, who are giving the finance to sponsor these children, but the generosity to give the letter writing to two schools where those students get to engage with kids in poverty and they get to grow and learn as they engage where the school can't afford to sponsor numerous children. They do a few. Um, and I look at that and I think the generosity of God um, you know, worked out. And I could go on more and more stories of, of, of ones like that where, where um, I am just staggered at the generosity, not just to compassion, but people who are fostering, people who are adopting children, who, who are taking in refugees. And I think it's what God's like, and it makes me look back at my own life and think again, Simon, what are you doing? How are you doing with the resources that God's given you in, in, our, in your time? Um, we've got a large house, and we were going to downsize. We've now, we now take on lodges, so we're taking people in, and we're now going to run the marriage course for all the people in our household who are all new, new, new marrieds. And what a great opportunity. What have we got in our hand to utilise our home, to utilise the skills of, to, to do some pastoral care and those things? What is it for you? Happy are the hungry, for they know they'll be satisfied. Are you, are you a person that someone can come to when they're hungry? Because they know they'll be satisfied. They know it won't be pushed away. They know they can come and speak the truth and tell you what's really going on. We're going to talk more about um, compassion in a moment, but... Just before we come to communion, I'd like you just to, to take a moment and um, think about what God is like. We, we sang that, that, I love the refrain in that last song, God is so good. God is so good, he's so good to me. He's given everything that I might be right with him, right relationship with God. And that through him, we might be in right relationship with one another. Our close neighbours and our far neighbours. And that we might share the likeness of God with generosity with those around us, whatever that looks like, however God has called you to serve. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is living and active, sharp and a double-edged sword, dividing even joints and marrow, soul and spirit. And I pray that your word, that beatitude that we've looked at, as we, we think about this series of, of generosity, Benevolence. It's what you're like, Father. And please would you forgive us where we forget and we become self-absorbed because the pull of sin is still there. Thank you that we can remind one another. And I pray that, that 
that somehow this, somehow this week we would show your likeness better than last week, just because of the prompt today, that some, somehow um, we'd be able to put a, a smile on the face of our neighbour or people in, the, in a workplace by generously bringing some laughter into our workplace to brighten people's lives and brighten their day. So Father, would you help us in our response to this message that, that we wouldn't go out of this building the same as we came in, but we'd go out better having been together, better having been under your word, better having worshipped together, better, better having shared communion together, better having talked with one another and that people would see a difference in us out there where it really counts. So Father, I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.